Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. We bring you hand-selected hosts, podcasts, and talk radio programming with listening options, 24-7 streaming or listen on demand. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at PR at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, right now, I have a special guest to share with you who has a message that is especially timely. He is Stephen D'Angelo. Stephen is a business executive with more than 30 years of experience in the software technology industry, leading high-performing global organizations. And through his extensive business success, he has a keen awareness of the critical success principles everyone should follow to live a happy, healthy, and successful life. He is a proponent of what he calls spiritual leadership, which is something everyone, regardless of their chosen field, can execute to achieve greater success and happiness. And his book titled A Single Day of Peace provides direction for anyone seeking self-improvement, spiritual and emotional growth, motivation, and a more fulfilling existence. And although it's a fictional journey, Stephen goes beyond the story and also offers you a definitive plan, a 50-day guide that will help bridge the gap between the life you're living and the life you deserve to lead. And I think that this conversation is going to be so important to each and every one of us. So let's just get started. Welcome to the network, Stephen. Pat, thank you for having me. Very much appreciate it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. There's so much to unpack here. So before we start, though, talking about your book, I'm always interested to find out why people embark on the book writing journey. What caused you to say, I got to write this book, A Single Day of Peace? Yeah, so um, I think there are, there are two distinct elements that inspired me to write the book. First, as you described, I've had a a very long successful career and I was able to observe firsthand uh, people that are hugely successful and happy and I'm also able to I observed people that were successful but not so happy and it was intriguing to me and I I felt that there was a way to take the important principles of what successful and happy people are doing and share them so being an avid reader and observing all of these kinds of things, I said, you know, I, I, I should write a self-help book in order to help inspire others. And I often say, make the world a better place by helping people find their better place. And then the second component, uh, quite candidly, as the story goes, your, as your readers read A Single Day of Peace, it's a fictional story that connects with spirituality and very specifically the Catholic Church. And... Um, it was through my own spirituality that I felt, you know, I think the time is right for people to, to connect better with their own spiritual connection. It doesn't matter what religion you are. So it was those two kinds of things that led me to feel like, you know, it's time for me to write this book I've had in mind. And hence, that's how I, I embarked on the project and uh, thankfully completed it, got it published. And, and I see that it's doing very well in the market today. It is. It's recently published just a couple weeks ago, right? And it's got all kinds of excellent reviews. Yeah, yeah. It's been out now maybe three weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pleased to say, and I have to admit, maybe a little surprised that I I received the number one release of sales uh, for Amazon in their inspirational category. And the reviews there on Amazon really have been fantastic. So it, it certainly feels good because it helps me feel like I am indeed connecting 
with people and the message that I thought of and the message that I felt around being successful, happy, connecting to spirituality is really resonating with, with many people. So that certainly feels good. Oh, absolutely. And congratulations. That's such exciting news. Thank you. And it feels good, Thank I know, because there's a lot of work that goes into creating a book such as this. Why the title? Why a single day of peace? So as I think about living a successful life, uh, it's one day at a time. Um, any great thing that we do in life, it's one small step at a time, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm an avid runner. I've ran a few marathons, and I use that example. You know, to complete a marathon, it's one step at a time. It's one mile at a time. So when you think about life, and no matter what we embark on for our, our career, whatever it is we want to do with life, if you want to get to that that level of success that you've deemed possible for yourself, it's one small step at a time. So I wanted to create a book that allowed people to understand that they just need to improve what they do today. And if you focus just on today, not a whole year's worth of things to do, just today, you're creating a single day of peace for yourself and you're probably impacting others. Because again, part of what I've said my objective is to make the world a better place by helping people find their better place. What happens when people feel good about themselves today? What happens when they're, when they're, they're in a very positive, inspirational mood? Most of the time, they then want to help others. And when you help others, now you're creating more unity. And in this world that we live in, you know, it's quite divided politically. It's divided in lots of different ways. Uh, one single day of peace at a time, one step at a time, focus on your life one day at a time, and then you can start radiating with others. So that's kind of where I came up with the, the idea and the name of the book. And then as you read through the book, the book has 50 daily principles. So you execute one per day, and you're creating one single day of peace at a time. And then in due time, after you go through all of them, you've now kind of reinvented yourself a bit. And now you're on the right path to more success, more happiness. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It's so true. And, yeah. and, and we are in a critical time right now where where this subject is extremely important. So I'm, gl I'm glad we're talking about this today. You know, you mentioned that your book is a work of fiction. Yet it's not, I guess you might call it, and I think you do, a self-help novel. Um, that's kind of an interesting combination. Maybe just give us a little peek into the book um, so folks certainly. know what to expect. Yeah, certainly. So first, again, the, the reason for it, I didn't want to just create a self-help self manual that uh, just basically shared what people should do. I wanted it to create an entertaining story. I wanted to create a compelling story and maybe a little bit of a controversial story. Because um, I felt that through a story that people could relate to, it, they would enjoy the process more and then focus more on how do they make their lives more happy and successful. So the way the story goes, I'll give you a little bit of an idea of the story. So being a business person, I, I certainly use the, the business world as part of it. But the main character is is Mark Tossi. Mark Tossi is a very successful business executive. He follows very specific principles. He has a very large organization that he leads. His people love working with him. They trust him. They feel aligned with him. You know, the kinds of things that great leaders do. Um, so he was very successful. But before he went into the business world, he actually contemplating pursuing life in, in the spiritual world and possibly becoming a Catholic priest. But he decided against that. He took his spiritual connection into the business world, very successful. But then he faces 
a, a relatively strong negative event. I won't reveal it so that your readers could, could experience it when they read, but he has a negative event in his life and, it be, and he comes to a crossroads in his life, much like we all do from time to time. And he had to make a decision what he was going to do. He decided he was going to go back to that initial intent he had of being a Catholic priest. He goes through the process because he wants to take his leadership capability to the Catholic Church and help people become more spiritual, more connected to their God, uh, their spiritual connection. He wanted to improve that. So as he does that quite successfully, he gets millions of followers but his approach to doing this is is not in line with exactly how the Catholic Church thinks it should be done. So he is somewhat rejected by the Church, and he goes on a retreat, and he publishes these 50 principles. And if you follow these principles one day at a time, a single day, a piece at a time, you have a more fulfilling life. So the story has some, some very interesting concepts in it about uh, your own connection to God, your own way of spirituality. Um, it's not meant for any one religion. While I use the Catholic Church, uh, I, I have gotten feedback from Jewish individuals, um, uh, people of other religions, Protestant, Lutherans, and they've all connected with the message. So that's that was my intent, and that was basically the story that I've created. Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic, and so my question is why a Catholic priest? I was wondering if you grew up Catholic and maybe wished for the honesty that you allowed your main character, Father Mark, to embody. Yeah, so I grew up Catholic as well, and, you know, then I had a family and children, and you go to Catholic Church, and unless there is a riveting uh, priest there that has a great homily, you tend to leave, I don't know, you, you feel good that you went, but, you know, when you have your children constantly tell you how bored they were and things of that nature, uh, it makes you stop and think, and... Candidly, I struggled with some of the ways in which the Catholic Church kind of put in place as to why you want to be Catholic, why the Catholic religion probably is the best religion, all those kinds of things. And I found it less spiritual. So I just felt that a lot of people must be feeling the way I feel. And if the Catholic Church was able to be a more spiritual institution than a rules and regulation uh, institution, I think it would uh, allow people to to do as I say, live a more happy life, be connected to their spirituality better. I think it's a great opportunity for the church to teach us that it's not so much the rules of the church that you need to be following. Why don't you listen to the God inside you? Why don't you listen to that spirit inside you? Do you know? Do things for other people. You know. Just following more spiritual direction. Hey, we all make mistakes. You know, nobody's perfect, and we all uh, we all do the things that we we do in life. But if you stay, you know, connected to that, I think that you just feel more fulfilled. So that was kind of the message I wanted to create through the story and 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 why the Catholic Church. Now, I did have a Father Mark in my life when I was younger, who was who was fantastic. His last name was not Tassi. That's a fictitious last name. But as I thought about the character, I certainly did connect with someone who was who was really a great leader uh, that I looked up to. And he's passed away several years ago. Uh, so, But I did decide to, to use his name. Oh, well, amen to that. It's almost a marketing aspect just to say, you know, if you want people to believe and follow, you've got to present it in a better way. So... So let's talk a little bit about 
people who consider themselves very professional people or who are in a strict kind of a profession, the time might not be available, the interest, I don't know what, to seek that spiritual side. How do you align both aspects of the person? So, you know, it's interesting. A little story about that is as I have worked with so many business people, and I shared earlier in this conversation, you know, some are very successful and happy and some are very successful but not so happy. It was the those that were were happy that had a spiritual aspect about them. And very often I would say, you know, what religion are you? Do you follow religion? And very often it would be, no, I really don't. Nope, I don't consider myself spiritual at all. And I would highlight some of the things that they do, and I'd say, you know, those are pretty strong spiritual behaviors and it's evidenced by how many people are connected to you and enjoy being connected with you and enjoy working with you. Not that you're an easy boss, so to speak, but they want to be part of your team and you do kinds of things that are more spiritually oriented. So I think it's there's really two aspects to, to your question. One is the conscious decision that people have they, that they do want to be good human beings as they pursue whatever goals they have. And in my world, it was the business world. But then I think the second piece of it is the way you bridge the gap between the pragmatic, aggressive, goal-oriented business world and the spirituality side really is through meditation. And more and more people and in the business world are going through various levels of, of meditation. I'm a strong advocate of it. I always tell people it made all the difference in my life when I had some struggling times. I used meditation to focus on what it was that I wanted for my future, and lo and behold, I, it was created very accurately from what I visualized I, I have in my life, and more and more business people are doing this, and I think it's in that process that they hear their inner voice more, and while they may not define it as being spiritual, they're behaving that way. They're doing better for others. They're finding more calm in their life. They're finding more focus in their life. They're getting rid of the noise in their life. All of that's coming through this process of, let's say, meditation, being quiet, and listening to that voice inside. So that's what I've been seeing. I mean, even the most, uh, even the most competitive professional athletes that I that I have the the, the benefit of knowing and, and working with, while they're aggressive and competitive and hungry and go hard, they still have a calm. And, and spiritual side to them. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. How do you go about meditating? I think when people hear meditate, they're thinking they've got to sit there quietly. Or what if I get itchy? What if I start thinking of something else? Like, How would you explain to a person that they can begin to incorporate this meditation <clears throat> process into their lives? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. When I do workshops or I do some consulting for uh, leadership teams, CEOs, management teams, um, I often find a way to bring what you just asked into the conversation. And I talk about silence, and I start it with that way, and that's really where meditation does indeed start. I often share during my workshops that, you know, each of us every day, on average, we are impacted by about 60,000 different messages coming to us from the outside world. Lots of noise through your smartphone, your TV, your computer, et cetera. Um, there is a very healthy thing to go and be silent for a while. Go find a place in your office. Go find a place in your home. Can you just be quiet, shut off the phones, and just close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, and be silent for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. 
And in the beginning, it's, it makes people anxious because they're just not used to it. We're so used to the outside-in communication versus the inside-to-inside communication. And um, But what they ultimately find is as they spend more time doing it, they do it more easily, and then clarity of thought starts to come in because they're they're getting thoughts that come from their conscious mind, their subconscious mind, and they're tapping into it because they're not letting all the outside noise the interference, and that's basically what it is. So as they start to experience that, and I talk with executives about this, I then share with them, you know, now that you're doing this, how about looking at some formal meditation? And there's all kinds of formal meditation that you can get engaged in, but all of it is about deep, brief, deeping, excuse me, deeply breathing and being in silence with your eyes closed for 15, 20 minutes a day and just allowing that to take place allows you to be sharper when you're engaged in, you know, the competitive business world or whatever or whatever it is that, that you'd like to do. Um, so I think that's the way you, you start to bridge it. It does start with this uh, conscious decision that I'm going to find a way to be silent for a little bit each day. And then it normally gravitates you that, hey, I want to go deeper into this. And that's how people start doing more and more meditation. Mm-hmm. You talked about meditation and tying it to an outcome so that if you say, if you can do this every day, you will become better at what you're doing. And maybe for outcome-driven people, that might be a way to approach it. It very, it very much is. And tied very closely to that is the self-talk that people engage in. So if I have an outcome um, that I want to achieve, if you're are going to have any chance of achieving it, first you have to believe that you can do it, and then you have to start adjusting your self-talk. I'll just use a very basic example. Let's say someone wanted to either gain 10 pounds or lose 10 pounds, right? Whatever it is, uh, but we'll we'll use weight because that's something everybody can uh, associate with. I want to start seeing myself as that person with that, with the 10 pounds less on my body. So when I go through my meditation, that's what I focus in on. I see myself that way. And then I change my self-statements. I don't say I'm fat. I don't say I'm bloated. I don't say my clothes are too tight. What I say is I weigh whatever that amount of weight you want it to be. I am slimmer, I am healthier, and I feel good. That programming, that self-talk makes all the difference in the world because Life is a self-fulfilling prophecy, and you become what you think about most. So if you connect the meditation with the positive self-talk to get to the outcome that it is that you want, maybe it's a promotion, maybe it's more income, maybe you want to become a teacher, whatever it is you want in your life, if you combine those things, you have accelerated the timeline to get there, and you've basically guaranteed you will get there in due time. Not that you won't get there, not that you'll get there without any challenges and issues. You'll certainly have adversity that you have to overcome. But the outcome will take place if you combine that meditation with really changing your self-talk. Mm-hmm. And that self-talk needs to be in the in the present and as if it's happening right now, not wishful thinking. Correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Let's talk about people today, just because society has changed so rapidly within this last year that maybe what we thought 
in the past is not necessarily the way things are anymore. Business professionals, executives, top performers, are you seeing that people are more stressed? Are people more lost than ever before? Or was that time away a wake-up call and maybe people connected better with themselves? What have you been seeing? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great, great question. Um, I would say there's no question there there is more stress through the COVID working at, at home. I've seen this more even in my own life. Uh, and let me give you an example. A little, you know, we've all experienced it, those of us who are in the business world. Pre-COVID, you'd have a full day, but your full day may be I have to go down the hall and I'm going to have a meeting in this conference room. Oh, now I have to get in my car and go to a client meeting or another, maybe another office of ours somewhere else. And then after that meeting, I now get in my car and I have some silence and I drive or I listen to the radio or I grab a cup of coffee. My point is there was some downtime and social time. Today, through COVID, it's back-to-back Zoom meetings or back-to-back, you know, Microsoft meeting meetings, whatever tool you're using. But every half hour, every 45 minutes, there's another one, and it's overload. And I I find that more and more people felt stress uh, within an organization. And then also the second piece that has caused more stress is that there hasn't been, I would say this except for the great leaders, uh, there hasn't been good, clean communication, transparent communication throughout the organization. So people feel kind of out of the loop. So if you blend those two scenarios, one, I'm back-to-back meetings constantly, and now I feel out of the loop of what's really going on. Now anxiety comes into play. I feel like I have to perform, even though I don't really know what's going on in the business that well, because the communication isn't as strong as it used to be when you know we were in hallways with each other and socializing with each other. So I think that, um, that without question, that has caused more stress. Probably one of the benefits from it is people are closer to their home. Now, in some ways, that caused stress because while they're home, they're constantly working, but I feel the, the lack of travel certainly allowed people to get that, you know, little bit of a deep breath that, okay, I could be around my children more or my spouse more. So I think there was a little relief with that. But overall, uh, my observation is, is there's been more stress. Yeah. Quite a time. It has been. Mm-hmm. It has been quite a time without question, yep. without question. You know, there was a, there was a point there that I, that I just talked about, if I could elaborate for another minute yes. on. Um, the idea of leadership. So there's something I talk about in my book, A Single Day of Peace, something called spiritual leadership. And I talk about this with leadership teams that I consult. And while the term spiritual has a connotation of religion, that's not the intention at all. Spiritual leadership is when leaders behave in a way where they create an environment where everybody wins, that they create an environment that's uplifting, it has a positive spirit, it's got positive energy. And there's very specific things that great leaders do during stressful times like we spoke about that keep that organization on track and keep the organization inspired. One of those things is really full transparency the ability to communicate and speak to people with with uh, facing the brutal facts. Not every leader, most leaders are not very good at this, but the great leaders are really good at this, and they use this idea of transparency to be open and face the brutal facts. When things are going good, we're talking about them. When things are not going good, let's admit them. Let's not try to hide them. 
let's admit them and let's, as a, as a unit, decide how we're going to improve on those things. So the, the leaders that did this during this COVID time with full, full transparency, they're the ones that I've seen progress faster. Oh, I agree with that, especially, again, talking about the world we're in, where there's so little transparency, wherever you can get it feels good. And we're all big boys and girls, and we can take the truth. And when someone gives that to you, um, I think it's just very, very much appreciated and brings you closer to that person. So I think it just makes common sense to be transparent with your people. You know, it is. It sounds so obvious, doesn't it? It's common sense, like you just said, but so many do not do it because there's ego involved mm. or there is um they, they feel that maybe they can persuade their people to see it the way they want it to be versus the way it is but truthfully it, it's 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 naive i'll tell you a quick story i was working with an organization that as i told the ceo they had probably the worst culture i have ever seen in an organization there was lots of distrust lots of chit-chatting, gossiping constantly amongst the employees, always criticizing what was going on. This individual hired a great chief people officer that really tried to started to make a change, uh, and it was really improving. And the fact that the company moved to all at-home work, you know, no offices at all. They, they got rid of all their offices, and everybody could work at home. This CEO said, but we're going to stay very well united, and you could work from anywhere. It's all good. The CEO decided to move to an exotic location. I won't say the location because it may reveal the individual, but he chose not to tell the employees. And he said, well, I just don't want them to think I checked out because I moved here. Uh, now, in due time, they all found out. And of course, what did that do to credibility? This is one example of where transparency would have been the best thing to do right up front. I'm moving here, but I'm still well-connected. You will see it, and you also have the right to move wherever you want to move to, but we're going to stay together, et cetera. But that wasn't the way it was done, and all the trust that started to build to the changes was was then uh, reduced because people are like, well, why wouldn't he tell us this, mm -hmm. right? So it seems like it's common sense to be honest up front because, like you said, we are big boys and big girls, but so many leaders that have a long way to go just don't get it, just don't do it well enough. Wow. That's an interesting story. Wow. A lesson. But but your book is not just for business people and leaders. I mean, this is a great book for everybody. Yeah, and that was my intent. And the feedback that I have been getting, the reviews and then the phone calls I've been getting um, are from non-business people as well um, that just want to better connect to their own spirituality and have a little more direction for a happy and successful life. Um, and it, it, it's fantastic that it's, 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 you know, connecting with teachers, homemakers, uh, lawyers, people, people that, you know, just travel, uh, they're fortunate to be able to just travel. So they're not in any kind of career right now, but it's connecting with them and they're sharing that connection. Well, anything we can do to improve ourselves, you even talk about lifelong learners, and I embrace that. Um, anything you can do to be better, live better, feel better, share with others, and you do that very boldly and wonderfully. You you work with charities, and I think that um, that's an important aspect to bring up as well. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. That That's part of one of the principles I put in, in a single day of peace is giving back. I think uh, in giving back, you really help really make this world a better place. It's quite obvious that you do. 
But an interesting thing that happens when you give back, you start to feel more gratitude. You start to change your thinking from what I don't have and want to what I do have and I'm thankful for. And hey, it's 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 great to still want goals and objectives and I want something and you know, I want a new home or a new car or whatever it is I want. That's okay. As long as you're feeling that gratitude that what you have today really is enough. And I am very thankful for what I have and I'm going to be giving back even more. But is that giving back and helping other people feel feel better about themselves or be in a better place in your life that you start to appreciate more what you have. That is so, so true. I've spent the last 10 years with a pillowcase project where we make and send handmade pillowcases to homeless veteran shelters and women and children's domestic abuse homes. And just through that, exactly what you said, the feelings of gratitude. I get up every morning and go stand outside under this cottonwood tree and I'm grateful. That's all I could do. I could just stand there and be grateful. So I think it's really a gift to yourself when you give to others as well. It's it's truly a blessing all the way around. It, it, it is, and it is so true. When you give to others, you get more back of the same because it's, it's that universal energy law. The energy you put out, you get back to you. You know, if you ever see people that, woe is me, you know, they always seem to be under a cloud because, candidly, that's the energy they're putting out. Mm-hmm. And when you put out energy of positive things to others, like giving back, you may not be doing it for that selfish reason, but it does come back to you in spades. So it's a very uh, healthy thing to do, and it certainly it helps your life be in a better place as well. And it's great that you do that. Congratulations on, on, on doing that. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you as well. You say that, that we've been told that there is no manual for life. Well, now we can tell everyone that there is a distinct roadmap that everybody should be reading, A Single Day of Peace, written by Stephen D'Angelo. I want to make sure, Stephen, that we haven't missed anything that you want to talk about today. Is there anything that we need to highlight before we begin to wrap up? I think this was was very, very thorough. Um, I think it really was. I'll just reiterate the objective is let's try to make the world a better place by helping people find their better place. And if someone is looking for a little inspiration, a little positive feeling, I think that they will enjoy the read of A Single Day of Peace. And then, of course, I welcome feedback. Um, You can go to my website, singledayofpeace.com, to learn more about the book. My email is there. You can communicate to me. I would love feedback as to uh, what you think of the book as as you read it. Thank you. So the website is singledayofpeace.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to write this book. And it's a gift. It's a gift to everyone. And, And I hope folks get a copy of the book and learn from it, become a lifelong learner. Keep writing. We'll have to do this again sometime. I'd love to, Pat. I really appreciate that you have me here with you and and your listeners. Thank you very much. 